Hey, what's going on? Welcome to Training for Ultra. Feel free to check out my new audiobook. Training for Ultra is now on Audible. For my first race recap of the Bighorn 100, check out the show notes. I put together a YouTube video that will give you the initial kind of race recap, but I plan on a full race recap in an upcoming episode. Thank you to the podcast supporters, Hammer Nutrition, Sufferfest Beer, Exoskin, Ultimate Direction, Destination Trail, and of course, my Patreon friends. Thanks for the support. This is um, a fan of yours, and I'm just calling in to express my admiration. It's Dean Carnassus, the ultra marathon man. Hello, listeners. This is Chris Mako, and we are live. And you're listening to Training for Ultra podcast. This is Animate Flynn, and I'm here talking to Training for Ultra podcast. Yeah, it's like really, I just need to catch up with Rob. 100 miles is not that far. I, I thought oh. it was a joke, actually. It, it is. I thought it was one of your jokes, yeah. It is a joke. Okay. okay. <laughs> so classic. Oh my god, you because literally the thing would be like beep, beep, beep. Mother, mother, beep. Mother, mother, beep, beep. Mother, beep, mother, beep, 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 beep. One, two, one, two, three, four. <laughs> Training for Ultra Podcast. I'm Sally McRae, also known as Yellow Runner. Hey, this is Carl Meltzer, the Speed Goat, and I want to welcome everybody to the Training for Ultra Podcast. Welcome to the Training for Ultra podcast. My name is Rob. I also go by Training for Ultra, and I'm joined by Dave Bromlick, friend of the show. We last talked to about the Quad Rock 50. Dave, long overdue. Welcome. Uh, thanks for having me. It's a lot of fun to be here. This is uh, this whole setup is really exciting. Thanks. And totally new for me. <laughs> yeah, we're rolling it out. Um, I'm setting up like a little sound studio. Uh, we're rolling out for YouTube. We're going to record for the podcast, and we're going Instagram Live, too, just to start it off with a bang here for the first 20 minutes of the interview. Um, Instagram Live's getting a sneak peek at this episode, and hopefully we'll try to time it out with when you hit the Appalachian Trail. So I, I've, um, I've talked a lot about 200 milers, and what you're doing is, what, over uh, 10 times that? A little bit more. Uh, it's two thousand two hundred miles. About. I mean, that's mind blowing. The fact that you're going for it in how many days? Seventy days. Okay, let's take <laughs> a step back. Um, let's find out more about when you started running, why you're sure. running. I mean, because our stories are actually fairly similar. I think that's mm-hmm. why we've hit it off from day one, and we for. The listeners' background, viewers' background. I mean, Dave and I go on runs every now and then, probably yeah. Mondays. Every once in a while. Yeah, definitely. So, why'd you start running? Um, yeah, that's a great question. So, I started running shortly after I graduated college. I was probably about 70 pounds overweight and, you know, 22 years old, still wasn't really sure what I wanted to do with my life. And I knew one thing at that time was I did not want to spend the rest of my, you know, youthful and prime years just being fat and out of shape and drinking too much and, 
doing things I was doing in college that I shouldn't have been doing and just needed a lifestyle change in general. Um, so started running, you know, joined a gym and those first miles I ran, my parents, um, live on a, this lake in New Jersey and it's about a mile all the way around. Then I started off by doing that mile loop around the lake and those first runs hurt more than, you know, any ultra I've done in the last uh, few years or so. And it hurt a lot, but yeah, I could see the results. The results came fast. I started to lose weight. You know, it, those first runs did not stay super painful. And I eventually worked up to doing about a four mile loop and for a few years, and I, I didn't take running very seriously, but I would do this four mile loop, the same exact loop, uh, maybe anywhere between three and five times a week. And I guess I got a pretty good base from doing that. And how, how much did you weigh? I weighed probably about 250 when I graduated college in May, 2013. And yeah. I mean, you're pretty tall dude, but yeah, six one. I mean, 250 on any frame is a lot. <laughs> so, I mean, were you able to get the weight off immediately and that's what spurred on running or did running help you lose weight? Yeah, running helped me lose weight um, and it came off pretty quick. I guess I was pretty fortunate in that regard and I didn't really change my diet substantially until I got more into running. We can talk about that later. But once I started running consistently, I went from 250 down to about 190 in definitely less than a year, maybe closer to six months. It really, it really did yeah. come off fast. Yeah. I mean, that was my experience mm -hmm. for losing 50 pounds. It like yeah. came off 40 days, 50 days. Yeah. I put, really, you you really like quick. did like a crazy juice fast, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, for me, it was mm -hmm. diet that helped me lose weight. I mean, did you change your diet or was it only exercise induced? It was pretty much only exercise, maybe, okay. you know, leaving, um, the college, dining options yeah. helped a lot and I was living with my parents at the time so I guess I ate um, I guess significantly healthier than you know what you eat at a college but it's nowhere near as clean of a diet as I choose to eat now yeah but definitely was better I suppose and so how many times around the lake until you heard about races or like what yeah. was the first was it a race even that got you interested in more organized forms of running? Yeah, so it was a long time. It was a few years while I was just running casually and I didn't know anything about training. I would just try to do the same loop faster than I did it the last time, every time, which as <laughs> most people know is not how you want to train. <laughs> and I always kind of had the idea, it's like, oh, a half marathon, that'd be cool to do to run 13.1 miles and a marathon just seemed like impossibly far. But um, on New Year's Eve, I guess 2015, heading into 2016, I signed up for my first half marathon and started to take training a little bit more seriously, but not like too seriously. I was following, I think, a Hal Higdon plan, you know, one of those free internet plans who who hasn't? Yeah, right. <laughs> one of those. I was looking at my um, 
like Safari browser on my phone and one of the like shortcuts on there was like that Hal Higdon plan. It's like still still there. <laughs> still going strong. <laughs> but I think uh, Hal's still uh, he's on social media and stuff. Yeah, he's still kind of weird. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um and so did you mm-hmm. follow that plan to the T and just it um, I don't think I it's hard for me to remember exactly. It was before I was on Strava or even heard about Strava. So I can't really go back and look at exactly what I was doing, but I don't think I followed it like absolutely to the T. Our stories parallel yeah. a lot. Mm-hmm. It's weird that Strava has been around since we both basically started. It's been around a long time. I was listening to, I think it was a Rich Roll podcast with the Strava guy, I forget his name, and it's been around since like 2008 or something. Oh, way okay. back, yeah. I thought it was newer than that. Yeah. That's interesting. <laughs> so what year did you start running around the pond? And then, uh, That was 2013. Like 2013? Yeah, like May 2013. And so this is like six years now. Since and then, then, so when are you following the Hal Higdon? That was probably January 2016. 16? Yeah. That's, yeah. Yeah, that's- so I had plenty of time to build up a base doing those runs around um you know my neighborhood so it took you three years before you signed up for that half yeah that's i mean better than ever i guess yeah. that's a long that's a long time of mm-hmm. of not really thinking about it um and what half did you sign up for again um it was called the e murray todd half marathon which is in um about central jersey there's kind of a thing new jersey this either north jersey or south jersey yeah. Not a central jersey. But this one this race is kinda of right in the middle of the state, so um yeah. And and how did the build into that go and how did the race go? Um the build I do remember kinda of upping mileage, doing some speed work and you know, I had some I remember having some pain with my calves, kinda of upping my mileage so they, they would get just really, really sore. But yeah. you know, the race came and I remember I did all the stupid things people do before their first race like eat a ton of pasta oh yeah carb load (laughs) yeah but the race itself went pretty well i didn't really know what i was doing at the time i like didn't really know how to pin my bib onto my shirt that type of stuff yeah (laughs) right and you see all these other like people there who look so much more experienced but you know, the race starts, and all you're doing is running, which is a pretty simple thing to do, and uh, I'm hard to remember if so I had simple. a goal time. So simple. Or yeah. not, but I was trying to run, I think, like, 7.30 minute pace, mm-hmm. and I kind of remember really hurting, like, the last 5K of that, and I ended up running, like, a 141 Wow. Uh, and I was like, okay, I didn't really know like if that was good or not good or or what. And then kind of looking after it, um, b- what people's times are for their first half marathon, and I was like, wow, people try to get year try to go for years and years to crack like one forty five. I mean, and two, yeah. the two hour half yeah. is actually a huge barrier for a mm-hmm. lot of people. I know my dad is working mm-hmm. his butt off for that mark and. Mm-hmm. Um, I was happy. My very first was like one fifty-seven, maybe. Okay. Um, and that was basically with a pacer. <laughs> uh, but yeah, one forty-one's like 
pretty solid start, I'd yeah. say. And so I assume you followed that up with a marathon, right? Um, did you do another I actually, half? I actually did a, two more halves later that year. And after that race, I did get pretty excited. It's like, oh, maybe I kind of have some natural ability with this running thing. And when you first start upping your mileage and taking training more seriously and reading about training, I remember I bought the Jack Daniels running formula yeah. book and watched pretty much every Sage Candidate YouTube video yeah. he had up at Likewise. the time. <laughs> Likewise. So big props to him. I learned a lot from him and still do. But um, yeah, it took, took training for, I did a half the next, the May after that, that race was in early March and took training a lot more seriously for that race. And that race ended up being, I think, only like a 12.7 mile half marathon. It was a little short, but I ran like a 127, I think, for that. So it was like cut almost like 15 minutes off of my half marathon time in just a couple months. And that really, you know, surprised me. And I was like starting to read more about you know, this Boston Marathon thing and that you have to qualify for it. So that, after that, that idea was starting to kind of percolate yeah. in my mind. I mean, come on, you have one job. <laughs> Just measure the distance of the course. Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah like, get the old school bike out that has like a meter and yeah, that's, that's uh, crazy. But mm-hmm. you brought your time down. Let's just call it 130. I mean, that's phenomenal Mm -hmm. so i know we're gonna have a lot of listeners and viewers now like running around local lakes wherever they can (laughs) find them for the next few months um and so with boston in mind did you try to qualify i mean was that now your next goal um yeah so i did another half that july 2016 and train more. I think I followed one of the. I I forget. It might have been. It might have been a Daniel's plan, but I did take training more seriously, and I ran a one twenty six. I want to say in a, a hot day in Pennsylvania, an in actual July. thirteen. Point. Yeah, and that course was <laughs> legit. I'm pretty sure. So, yeah, no asterisks there. That's crazy. I mean. What are you so just buying um Jack Daniel's book mm-hmm. means you're taking things serious in terms of halves and marathons, mm-hmm. I think is the max that he really talks about, right? He doesn't go into ultras, that's where um no it kind of takes pre- over in a sense. <laughs> I mean, yeah, he is very focused on road stuff and he's got a lot of stuff in there about running the eight hundred, which doesn't really appeal to me, but yeah, there's plenty of information if you want to try to run a fast half mile. Oh, interesting. Book. Yeah. Okay, I wasn't sure if that was like a Yasso reference or no. or what. Okay, so just no, like people training, yeah, for track the track. I stuff. own the he book. I honestly that, just yeah. haven't mm-hmm. had the time to go through it. Um, yeah, clearly my focus has mm-hmm. been only on on speed. So. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I, I think there's definitely benefit to having fast switch muscle fibers and you know a body that's prepared to handle an 800 mm-hmm. and being able to utilize that same muscular 
system and extend yeah. it out, you know. And that wasn't exactly training to run a fast eight hundred. It's just kind of showing what his focus on is in the book. It's pretty much like the eight hundred up to yeah. the marathon. So when do you sign up for your first marathon? Um, I signed up for my first marathon. I want to say after that second half marathon, I signed up for the main marathon, which was October 2016. And that I remember I bought the Sage candidate training plan for the, for that marathon. And I had the goal, the audacious goal of qualifying for Boston in my first marathon, which I thought would be a pretty neat thing to say I did. Um, Training went, I think pretty well, but you know, race day came and you know, I had that experience. A lot of people do with their first marathon where 20 miles is good. And the last, well, for me, it was really the last, the last 5k that things go horribly. It was running like nine minute miles after being on like, you know, 645 pace up to that. And I felt like a walk and it just hurt really bad. Yeah. So yeah, I hate when that happens. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but it's more I, like my nine-minute pace blows up at the end. Um, and so, did you qualify or no? No, I ran a three twelve that day, which for a first marathon, I know is pretty darn respectable good. Yeah. for sure. So, so you knowing you well at this point, <laughs> like you're already signing up for the next one, right? Yes. And so I was 16. I was living in um, Portland, Maine at the time then. And I signed up for the Sugarloaf Marathon shortly after the main marathon. And I decided to take trading more seriously. I followed one of the Jack Daniels plans he has in his book. And his plans can be very intense. Um, I was in one of those... You'll qualify or you'll break. Yeah, exactly. Break, you will get much, super right? fit or you'll get super injured. Yeah. And I was in one of those um, Runner's World forums before they shut them down about sub-three-hour marathon training, which was pretty helpful. Um, some mm. some experienced runners there. So um, anyway, the Sugarloaf Marathon was May 2017. And I started training for it in December of 2016. 16, yeah. So it was like a solid six-month like marathon training block. And I was doing... Um, two quality workouts a week um, for three weeks and then the fourth week was no quality workouts but peak volume and I was peaking at like 80 miles a week Yeah, and his workouts are just brutal like I remember doing six by two mile repeats or two miles at um tempo pace which for me it was like 615 at sea level yeah and that that so, hurt yeah. so, so an 80 mile week but you're mm-hmm. only like six hours time on your feet yeah not <laughs> like the, not really like the training i do now or it's like 15 hours some weeks yeah. so it's like crazy <laughs> so you qualified for boston we're looking at it's middle of 2017 yeah may 2017 what's what's going on like what's what's going on behind the scenes in your life? Yeah. Um, so at the time, I was teaching at a high school in Maine, and uh, I did like living there. But I did ha- was kind of looking in the Front Range area for employment, and received a job offer probably a month before that marathon. 
so I knew I was going to be out in Colorado later that year. Okay. And that's when I moved out here was July 2017. So you had never... And I'm just going to move your mic a little closer. I can sit um, closer. So you had never run an ultra or anything. I mean, you had run a bunch of halves and two full marathons on the road. Um, Pretty much? No. Okay. <laughs> so when I was, me in. Yeah. So when I was training for my half marathons, one thing that I thought really helped me get an edge was to run beyond the distance. So okay. that way it's more of a race rather than, you know, doing the distance. Yeah. So I did um, my first 50K in April 2017. It was called the Tark Trail Animals Running Club um, 50K. And that was on this flat loop 10K okay. in Massachusetts in the rain on that day. So, yeah, that makes sense. So you're... Mm-hmm. Your May marathon felt like a piece of cake. Probably, uh, I don't know about a piece of cake, but in terms it of was the terrain and like the conditions and all that mm-hmm. stuff. In terms of the pace, it was probably awful. <laughs> right around mile ten, I'm <laughs> ten to the finish. Uh, no, I felt I you know my training went so well that I was confident with the pace and comfortable with it, and probably probably had a faster day in me if I went for it. Okay. So and so, you find yourself out here in Denver. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm just trying to think. I I feel like we basically met within a few months. Yeah, I think just, end of 2017. Just hitting the same. When you came to that run club. Yeah, same mm-hmm. runners roost group. Um, and and so were you? What where were your goals and aspirations at that point? Because um, I, I feel like you were gunning for 100k. Yeah, so I was definitely Black getting more. I was definitely getting more into the ultra scene. I had actually done my first 50 miler in June of 2017. It was the, excuse me, the North Face 50 okay. miler in Massachusetts. So it was the first year that they yeah put on that event. That. that that course is gnarly. So that was a good introduction to 50 milers. And it really doesn't get credit, honestly. <laughs> yeah, I it, I've heard it has like 12,000 feet of gain. I. Don't know. I had like a bad GPS track from that, so I'm I'm not totally sure. I don't remember, but it was like steep and East Coast technical. Yeah, spots. Yeah, totally sucks. (laughs) Um, So okay, you come here. I mean, is Boston on the calendar? Yeah. So you so hard towards it, or yeah, definitely. Did you move out here and kind of lose that motivation for road marathons? Um, I guess a little bit of both. I definitely, you know, living here, I definitely want to get more and have been doing more of the ultra, more of the mountain stuff. Um, but also like, I like marathons. I like trying to improve my time. I do have the goal, hopefully of qualifying for New York and running that as a time qualifier, which for my age group right now is a 252 which I'm still a few minutes away from, but I really need yeah. to have another really focused block like I did when I was first qualifying for Boston to do that. But anyway, when I moved here, I was actually focused on the marathon those first few months. I was training for the Philadelphia Marathon that fall, and training just didn't go as well. I had some trouble adjusting like my paces and effort to the altitude 
and did not get the best weather day um, for that race and kind of crashed and burned the last 10K once again. Yeah. But, you know, that's part of the sport and why you keep coming back. And I did do Boston 2018, the really bad weather year. And uh, I did Philadelphia again last year, and I ran a 256. It was like a 30-second PR. But um, that's where I am with a road marathon right now. So, I mean, what was driving you towards running ultras? Because it's rare to keep yeah. keep the speed, but mm-hmm. then also extend it out. Um, I think Matt Daniels is maybe the epitome of that. <laughs> Going, Yeah, I don't know if you should compare him to him, but... <laughs> it's it's the most extreme case. Mm-hmm. I mean, going sub four in the mile to then the hundred mile distance is as far basically yeah. as you can stretch that. I mean, maybe he'll go two hundred at some point <laughs> when he's retired, basically. But um, like, what's driving you to go from quick, like almost natural speed in mm-hmm. the halves and the marathons, and you made qualifying for Boston seem kind of not easy, but I mean, there's people Easier that work some people have ten it, years for straight sure. and yeah. can't get it. Mm-hmm. My goal is when I'm eighty <laughs> to qualify with like a five hour or whatever it is, um, which at that point will probably be difficult. But um, like, what's what's driving you yeah, to the so, ultra distance? So I guess similar to you, I started reading a lot of books about running, not just Jack Daniels, but. I read Scott Jurek's Eat Run, I think sometime 2016, and that a good that one. really had a profound effect on me and the way I eat now. And just reading his stories was so inspirational. It's like doing these big, iconic ultras. It's like, I want to do that race. I need to reread that book. Someday. Yeah, I read I've it, read I've read it, it once twice. or twice, yeah. but... Yeah, the yeah. recipes. Do you did you actually like start making the recipes yeah, at the end I did. of the chapter? <laughs> I oh. made the um, the Minnesota winter chili as part of our um, chili cook off contest at school. Oh, cool! <laughs> That's funny. And I made a bunch of the other recipes. I mean, his, in that book. the one that sticks with mm-hmm. me is like rice balls that he like, I haven't made just that, but... carries with yeah. him on the trails. I'm like rice seems <laughs> like a sketchy thing to like mm-hmm. just put in a plastic bag. <laughs> Yeah, I read uh, Ultra Marathon Man too. I know you talk about that one a lot. I mean, that's the, run. that's the book that yeah. had the profound impact on mm-hmm. me. So, um, let's go over 2018. Sure. And again, we got to be cognizant of the amount of time. But mm-hmm. you had a phenomenal 2018. I'm really glad you were a training for ultra athlete for 2018. <laughs> We didn't even talk about re-upping. You're just like, oh, whatever. <laughs> yeah, um, where the hat is comfortable. <laughs> you, your 18 was crazy. Um, seriously. Let's talk about it. How, how's it start off? Yeah, and so kind of what's the logic and how did it develop? Because I think it'll shock everyone when they hear what this guy what this guy did in a year. Yeah, so 2018, I guess you got to move here quickly. But the first race I did was Black Canyon 100K. And that race, that was my first 100K, and I think it went pretty well for me. I was, like, 20 or, I think, 30th overall, and that's a competitive race, and comparing that to how I did this year, um, I don't know. I hope I didn't hit my ceiling as far as (laughs) placing in Ultras Coast. Yeah. But... That's a pretty stellar first 100K. Yeah, I I I was definitely definitely pleased, pleased with it. 
Um, and that that year we did do the full point to point, as you remember. So that was that was a, just a, a great experience. I love the first mm-hmm. fifty miles of yeah. that course. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the last part of it was painful. I like for I like the whole thing. But <laughs> um and then I did Boston April twenty eighteen, ran three hours flat, eight seconds in the rain. So I, I think that, that. that yeah. performance is outrageous. I mean I, I know Meb wasn't out there to like crush, <laughs> but you beat Meb. Um <laughs> Like seriously, I think he was starting wave two, so I didn't really run with him. But yeah, he he had to probably stop for photos every <laughs> mile. But yeah, seriously, sub or right around Almost three. Yeah. yeah, that's crazy for those conditions. Mm-hmm. I mean, the winners in that race were substantially slower than what is normal. Mm-hmm. So that alone was probably a New York qualifier if you adjusted for that. Close. Eight minutes is a long time in a marathon. And people but, are dropping like flies for yeah. hypothermia. <laughs> yeah, so we'll see. It's not like your muscles are going to be perfectly flexible when it's 30 mm-hmm. degrees out or whatever it was. Um, yeah. How did you follow that up? Yeah, I did uh, Quad Rock 2018 in the, in the mud and somehow ran faster than I did this year again. So I don't know. I guess I was maybe more trained for speed last year i don't know totally different course though but yeah but they did change mud, the course this year but the mud last year was those, ridiculous your mud photos yeah. scared the hell out of me <laughs> i looked at that before yeah. we ran this year mm-hmm. and i was like uh like yeah because they were calling for mud because they you know obviously they had snow and rerouted the course mm-hmm. that your photo haunted me um <laughs> yeah that one so, double track and it's just like it's just mud everywhere mud, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Uh, and why Quad Rock and what's this building towards? I mean, have you set a goal for 2018 at that point? Yes. Yeah, so in 2017, when I first got to Colorado, I went to the local run club at Runner's Roost and met some people and someone needed a pacer for the Leadville 100. Bad, bad idea. <laughs> All the run clubs in the world. So I ended up pacing uh, someone at Leadville 2017 and uh, enter the lottery for the next year and i was lucky enough to get in so i had nice. that on the calendar for all of 2018 and so was pretty much building all towards leadville and also having summers off as a teacher i had planned to through hike the Colorado trail and use that as a high altitude high volume training block for leadville and I just wanted to hike the college trails. Well. I think it's it might be the first time ever, honestly. Maybe there's yeah. getting records on this kind of, of stuff yeah. is like impossible. Mm-hmm. Um, I I mean, part of me is jealous the fact that you get that much time off. Um, part of me is like, how do you handle kids for that long? Um, <laughs> I can hardly well, handle my at, two. You get to leave at four. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. Um, it's super unique, though. And, I mean, what you experienced out doing the CT uh, just sounds outrageous. Let's, I mean, and, and we had Dave on the podcast uh, checking in with us. Mm-hmm. What was it? Every other week, roughly, there for a while? we did it about, like, three updates. Yeah. yeah. Um, why the CT? Where'd that pop in your head? I want to hear just a little bit more about the CT, and the listener viewer can go back and check out those mm-hmm. previous episodes where I think we ended up doing a recap on it yeah. too. 
Um, and then let's hear more about Leadville. Yeah, so the CT first came on my radar when I got to Colorado and was reading about all the trails that are out here. I'd never even heard of it. I'd heard of the CDT, but never the CT. And it being only 500 miles, and I did do uh, some sections of the AT and started getting into backpacking the last couple of years before that. Yeah. And uh, I thought this would work perfectly with my summer break. So I had planned on doing the Colorado Trail before I entered or got in through into Leadville. Okay. I didn't know that. Mm-hmm. So that was always on the year. And it's like, you built your, your training <laughs> block before yeah. the, uh, <laughs> the event. Um, but it works. I mean, yeah. it seems like it. And so how would you summarize briefly your experience out doing, and for the listeners background, the CT is like 485 miles or something to that effect. Yeah. And I added on a little bit extra. I actually started out my front door in Lone Tree, which is like 30 miles well. away from the Northern Terminus. And then I hit three 14ers along the way, which are not officially part of the trail. You have to do side trip out and back to get up there. And then I ended my hike in downtown Durango. Um, so I added on, it was was like 550. I went back and added it all up at the end and it took me 22 days. So 22, 22 days. Yeah. Wow. With one zero day. Yeah. I remember that Mm -hmm. day. (laughs) You were loving it though. Yeah. That was, that was a lot of fun. That was a lot of fun. (laughs) I think I was on the phone with you that day. We did. We did talk that day. You had a beer at the, that stop. Uh You were living it up (laughs) at your $20 hotel or whatever. Yeah. Hostel. (laughs) Yeah. Um, so what did you learn during the CT that you then applied for Leadville? Was there any takeaway or was it just base level fitness? Uh, I think, you know, fitness goes a long way. Um, it's, it's not totally apples to oranges, but it's a lot different doing a hundred miler than doing an extended backpacking trip. Even if you are moving fast and doing big miles. Um, I think, just being up at altitude for that long yeah. helped so much because, you know, Leadville, you know, is marketed it's as it's way up the America's highest hundred miler and the altitude is what, what kills people there, even though the course isn't relatively speaking that tough. Mm-hmm. Um, just living over 10,000 feet for three weeks just, I think, gave me a huge advantage going to yeah. Leadville. I mean, it's like legal blood. <laughs> um, okay, so we left off just briefly here. Um, we're talking about Leadville and how you utilize the CT mm-hmm. for that training block. And so beyond altitude and just like base level fitness, were, were there any other... Were you picking up stuff on fueling and hydration that you might not have known previously or any anything else from the 550 miles? Um, it's just so different because at an ultra, you have eight stations and you can just pretty much stuff your face with whatever yeah. you, you are craving at the time. Whereas on a extended backpacking trip, you have to be a lot more diligent with your food because you only have what you can carry um, so that's another challenge with backpacking is yeah. the food. And I do remember at one point I got really, really hungry one day. Um, and as far as hydration goes, there's some water carries. It's just, it's just a lot different 
And you just have to be, when you're backpacking, a lot more mindful of the food that you're, you are eating and you, you are burning less calories, I guess, and running an ultra, but you're still burning a lot. Yeah. Um, you're burning for much longer. Yeah. Yeah. And you're eating less, well, you're still eating junk food to some degree, but you're not really eating like typical aid station fare. You're eating a lot of like bars, at least for me, I really don't like junk food like ever. Um, I guess ultras can be an exception, but like I was eating a lot of things like Cliff Bars and Lara Bars and um, yeah, wraps I, and peanut I'd butter. Say, I saw that bo- those boxes and yeah. boxes that you <laughs> ended up taking just because I don't know how else you get that many calories mm-hmm. out there. Yeah, um, it's tough. To be self-sufficient. Mm-hmm. Let's talk Leadville. Yeah. Leadville 100, iconic, race across the sky. How'd it go? Um, it was an amazing day. I had a bunch of friends from college. Um, it was funny enough because they knew me in college and how different I was. And like, I can't Dave, believe you're Dave's doing a hundred mile race. They weighed like eighty pounds heavier and just like no, around. a couple of them, a couple of them paced me at it, which was which is cool. Though my one friend did get dropped coming up Hope Pass. Oh, I remember that well. <laughs> But um, yeah, apart apart from that, it was just a lot of fun to have have them out there for that, and just to have all that support. Because every other ultra I've done, I've done without a crew or pacers of any kind. I've only done one hundred, but um, it, it was just a compl- it was a great experience to have them out there and and to be out for that long. I yeah, I felt low coming up power line at mile 80 felt really nauseous yeah ethan i think kind of reeled you in right yeah ethan our our buddy ethan did a great job getting me up that climb and it was really hard to eat like i'd never have experienced that level of um like food rejection what mile was that that was like 80-ish? 80, yeah, like 80 to 85. That's pretty classic in yeah. 100 miles to mm-hmm. hit kind of a wall. Yeah. Like the bonk of all bonks during 100 is, it normally is mile 80. Hmm. Um, or 70 if it's Western States. You know, like 110 degree heat yeah. at some point during the day. Mm-hmm. Um, and so how did you overcome that just i've I've vomited just just marking power line at an easy pace so that's it's deceptively high up yeah it it goes up to like long way thousand feet of altitude yeah i I do remember it feeling just absolutely endless like it's like am i ever going to get to the top of this climb and just like ethan's like forced me like a jealous like i could only like get half of it down and eventually, you know, we get to the top and it just, you know, it's like, okay, we're at the top. It's pretty much all downhill from here. And there was an aid station up there. And I remember, which, I was, which is a good thing. Yeah. I hate that common phrase. What? The negative aspect of it's all downhill. Oh. <laughs> from our, from our okay. standpoint, it's good. Um, anyways. So. Anyway, there was an aid station at the top and they had ginger ale, which really helped lift my spirits and made my stomach feel just a little bit better and it's able to get down some more food 
and start going downhill and this was like midnight and it was raining it was cold and it was cold yeah yeah um and then i got down to may queen and you were taking me in that last leg so yeah i was really looking forward to finishing that race i didn't know things were that bad they were i mean they weren't kind of bad yeah like like you know he had some rough times Mm -hmm. going up power line yeah like just get it done i mean we we were never like stopped yeah we were we were always moving so did you have a flashback to never summer trying to force <laughs> gels down, uh, down i don't know if i had I'm a like flashback but i guess it was similar it was like, like dark you know <laughs> endless double track climb <laughs> yeah yeah seriously and then i mean your goal was sub 25 is kind of the benchmark for that race yeah honestly that you was like a, a different belt buckle mm-hmm. it's it's kind of the gold standard yeah. honestly i mean yeah, honestly, that was a, a beagle to get okay. sub twenty five, and eagle was like low twenties. Okay, which yeah, that's right. Is stout for sure, um, but that's that's tough. And I was I was pretty happy to get under twenty five. Like I it was, was my first hundred. Yeah. Everything in my power to get you in yeah. sub twenty five. <laughs> like. I think we had some cushion. We had some. some we had some cushion, with, but yeah. I didn't didn't want to be that guy yeah. that caused you the twenty five oh five or something. Um, I just I distinctly remember us like your let your quads must have been so beat up. Like we go over like a little ten foot hump or something, and you you're like we gotta walk or we gotta hike all the climbs, and you were like. That's a climb, like no running. <laughs> it was also um, super technical going around uh, Turquoise Lake. Yeah, it was. So, it was hard yeah. on fresh legs. Mm-hmm. So it was a cool experience. Uh, that was a emotional finish line. Yeah, with all your buddies there, like mm-hmm. through all the crap that I mean, your one buddy that got dropped, and like <laughs> ev- like all the emotions of the day. Like it was a relief on all the crew yeah. that we got you in but mm-hmm. then you were like wow i actually did it yeah um it was a cool moment it was a cool photo there at the end i think yeah you got like, a good one there yeah you're in it and it's like all of us there they the lighting is really good for that too so yeah it's a good one hey i i can crew just about <laughs> anyone for the last 10 i might have to taper for it yeah, i think it was 12 um <laughs> But yeah, I appreciate being a part of that. That was a really yeah, cool experience. Thanks for again. Me. Um, and yeah, I saved that bib too. That was, okay. a, that was a cool experience. Yeah, and um, that was from like one a.m. to four thirty a.m. So <laughs> yes, just so everyone knows, it helped my sleep deprivation <laughs> training. And then I just I was like so amped up mm-hmm. at the finish, I just drove the two hours straight home. Okay. Because it was like oh, it's right, more perfect time for your cup of coffee, well. right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, let's talk about. So you end the year there pretty much, and then you just kind of sustain base level fitness. Did you? Do you do a like a, a December race? Uh, yeah. So I actually did the Philadelphia Marathon. Okay, that's in right. uh, November. So November twenty eighteen, this past November, and I did PR by a minute. Okay. I think I said 30 seconds earlier or something like that. Um, did like some marathon training, nothing like I had done in the past. So getting a PR, I think just speaks to all the volume I had done really since 
the last marathon PR. Um, and then I did Sawmill 55K, which is yeah, a fun one. I was actually that. listening to your conversation with John on his podcast, yeah. and you're saying that you're going to get out there. It keeps Same showing up on race. all through yeah. the sign up. There's only like two races. <laughs> and it's in December. Up. Like, well, what else are you going to do in December? Yeah. <laughs> it might only be the, it might mm-hmm. be the only race yeah. in December in Denver. Mm-hmm. So, of course, I'm looking at it. Um, and, and so you start 2019 off with, is it Black Canyon? Was that your first race of the year? Did you do a, uh, you did a few prior? Well, <laughs> yeah. So if you want to talk about, we have the um, New Jersey section of the Appalachian Trail FKT. That's December, yeah. That's which right. was December 30th to 31st. <laughs> yeah, I forgot about And that. then I did Arches 50 Miler in January. Right. And then Black Canyon. Okay, that's right. And... For the listener's background, I mean, did that section of the AT go well? Um, yeah, so I was going for the FKT for unsupported, and there was no previously unsupported time um, on that route. So, so the, all I, so all the I did bar is finish, low. Yeah, the bar finish. is low. <laughs> <laughs> there is no bar. Yeah. So I was going for like 20 hours, I think. I ended up like twenty two forty five. Okay. So it, it's it's technical. It's rocky. Um, you know, being December right before the new year, it was like fourteen hours of darkness that I had to endure. So that was I really don't know tough if mentally. Anyone will ever do uh-huh. that section in twenty two hours and change in December because <laughs> no one's probably like, got that one. <laughs> safe. That one's going to hold for a while. Yeah. Um, and, and so, yeah, Arches, Justin Rick's event, right? You yep, did a obvious. 50K or 50 mile? 50 mile. Okay. And yeah. was that a tune-up or like a long run for no, Black Canyon just, or just... Just for fun, I guess. I love yeah. it. <laughs> I mean, I relate to that, but like most people... Yeah, I had never really done... <laughs> if you're no. just listening for the first mm-hmm. time, you're like, uh, what? <laughs> yeah, so I never really done a 50 mile course that was quote-unquote easy all the ones i had done like uh, north face massachusetts quad rock or just insane amounts of climbing yeah and uh, this one is only like four thousand feet of climbing and kind of technical but not too bad so i was hoping to set a 50 mile pr which i did thankfully it was like just over nine hours so i was pleased with that sub 10 is stellar i i've never broken 10 yeah I think it's you, regardless. Excuse me of the course. Like you just have to have. You have to be running a stellar yeah. level of fitness to mm-hmm. sustain that for that long. Yeah, and there was there's a really muddy section there too. So That's right. you know, if I go back next year and it's drier, maybe maybe under nine. We'll and see. so Black Canyon, uh, mm-hmm. we we had like a whole group out there. That was a lot of fun. That's becoming almost an annual yeah. event for me. I hope it doesn't sell out like day of. Yeah, but I'm gonna try to go back again if i can get in uh Mm. how was your experience there yeah so uh, the course is rerouted which is kind of a bummer um so i don't i don't want to not just like a slight one yeah it was totally rerouted so i don't want to dwell too much on that but i and i've had problems with my left ankle for a long time and i rolled my ankle pretty hard at like mile 15 and I wasn't even sure if I was going to be able to, like, make it down to the next aid station, which was, like, five miles away under my own power. I had um, 
a sleeve in my pack just in case I had a problem with it. So I parked on the side of the trail, took my shoe off, put this sleeve on, and started moving. And eventually started running, and I was like, okay, it's not too, too bad. I'm not going to be setting any speed records out here today. But it's like, you know, I drove 12 hours to get here. And this is the only Western States qualifier I have on the calendar. Oh, so I, that, went through, <laughs> that went through your head. Yeah, it did. Oh, God. <laughs> Be honest. So, <laughs> no, that's all right. Um, yeah, so I was like, well, if it gets if it gets worse, I can always just, just drop it. I got to the next aid station, continued on, and just gutted out the last... 47 miles and i think the reroute did uh, help considering the ankle problems i had because a lot of it was on roads so you were probably like 10 miles of road running and which was i was fairly fine flat. yeah fairly it was flat fa- fairly flat yeah. so i don't know how it went if it was the normal course which gets pretty rocky in the second half yeah the double mm-hmm. roll yeah potential um that's interesting i mean i knew i was a little concerned that i saw you just because i knew your Mm -hmm. your times versus mine are like night and day um that's interesting though that it happened that early yeah i thought it happened at least halfway through no um and then so what race did you follow up black canyon um behind the rocks 50 miles behind the rock march yeah and was your ankle feeling better for that um yeah it was feeling better and uh, I did invest, well, invested like $15 in a Zenza sleeve okay. that I got on Amazon. And I've been using that for anything that's long and moderately technical. And I've not had any problems with it since then. And a couple times where maybe if I wasn't wearing it, it would have rolled. But I think it just gives enough support and it's comfortable enough and i'm not like sponsored or anything by them yeah so if you're looking for a sleeve if you have similar problems with your ankles you totally forget it's there it doesn't blister and i'm gonna be wearing it on the at in a few days so nice um and for the listeners background and viewers background Mm -hmm. i mean have you dealt with ankle injuries in the past? Like, yes. When did that originate? Well, it goes way back. I was in, I think, fifth grade, and I was on a trampoline, and I sprained it, or maybe even broke it, like, landing wrong on the trampoline. Not the first kid to hurt yeah. themselves on the tram- <laughs> trampoline. So, right. like, did you, have you always, like, limped or something, like, from uh, that? Or always... Not, not limped, but, um, it's, like, permanently swollen. It's really weird. Okay. But it doesn't, like, hurt unless I re-roll it, and it's just really susceptible to being rolled again. Yeah. So, I, it's just it, If our backgrounds aren't it, similar yeah. enough, like, mm-hmm. I broke my ankle, except it was taking my kid out to my car. <laughs> <laughs> On the very last mm-hmm. day, there, there could possibly be ice, and I thought it was water, and mm-hmm. just Ooh. slipped. Um, right ankle or left ankle? My left ankle. Yeah, same here. <laughs> okay, um, and so you have the new Zensha? Zenza. Zenza. Z-E-N-S-A-H. They should send you free yeah, they should. See your socks. I like their socks. So send me the socks. (laughs) (laughs) 
No comment. Um, <laughs> how, did, how did you follow up that 50 miler? Um, I know we're just rattling yeah, off races. Yeah, we're so, so just behind the rocks from that for a second. Um, went pretty well. Moab. I love Moab. As, Me too. Yeah, Rob, Rob knows it well. <laughs> too well. So do I. But um, yeah, th- that race was a lot of fun. I was hoping to go under 10 there, but it was like 10.09. But I was I was happy with it. Yeah. Ran strong, I think, the whole way. Um, no, Got through healthy. And then the next race after that was uh, Quad Rock, which okay. was just last weekend. So Rock By the way, I, yeah. I know parts of Moab that don't exist. <laughs> <laughs> That's like next level uh, knowledge yeah. base. And yeah, Quad Rock, if mm-hmm. you're wondering what happened, uh, I think it was episode 88. Dave and I went over pretty much our, our races as best yeah. as possible. That was a fun time. And so, was all this logically building towards the AT? Uh, yes. So, the AT first came on my radar, well, honestly, way back. And when I like, first heard about it and heard that it went from like Georgia to Maine, I think I was in middle school. And I thought that was so cool because yeah, lived by near it enough. Um, but, you know... It, slips out of your mind and you go through you know high school and college and all that stuff and don't think about it much and then you weigh and, 200 yeah pounds. and you're really not and you're really not thinking or about it case, uh, 200 <laughs> but um after i did that first marathon like the weekend after my friend who does like backpacking stuff um, was working at this camp in maine when i was living there and we did um this backpacking trip it was like 25 miles and it took us like three days but he brought us all the gear excuse me and you know showed us what to do and i had no idea what i was doing um but i thought it was i thought it was a lot of fun we stayed in a shelter on the at in maine that's pretty cool um yeah so that was kind of my first taste with backpacking and definitely caught the itch and uh, before i moved out to colorado in 2017 i did about a 200 mile section of the AT from North Vermont to Grafton Notch, Maine, which goes through the entire city of New Hampshire, which many regard as the toughest state. Um, and really fell in love with the trail, the white mountains, like the mountains here in Colorado are beautiful, but like the East coast is underrated for sure. And the white mountains are really, really cool. So, like, that was a great experience. Um, how, how many days did that take you? Uh, it took me, I think, 10. And <laughs> funny thing about that. Um, so I didn't do it like a typical hiker. <laughs> but what I did was I drove and parked at one, like, road crossing. And I biked on the roads to get to where I wanted to start hiking. With yeah. my pack on, <laughs> on this like cheap mountain bike that I had road slicks put on, and I'm not a cyclist, so that was probably harder than the hiking. But um, <laughs> then I so would, you bike 200 miles roughly. Well, I, it was like it was like yeah, well total yeah. So I remember <laughs> that first bike ride is like 60 miles on the roads, <laughs> and I get to the trail. It's like 
it was like good i had like a crappy bike because i just like wrapped tied it up to a tree with my lock and i was like well if someone takes someone that steals I really don't my care. Yeah. Coffee, like, eh. <laughs> it sucks but um so yeah I, I did that like three times to get to to get to the end of the section i was doing which that's a good way to do it honestly i mean i would never do it again the C- but it, the it was CT fun logistics yeah of like trying to put a car at mm-hmm. beginning of section one beginning of section two that alone takes what yeah. two hours three hours yeah that's it's tricky how long sure. how, and how long does it take to do section one like that's two like or three hours, hours. Yeah. Like, um but yeah any, anyway go back to the et so yeah that gave me a great taste and you know you meet the through hikers and especially it was like july so a lot of like the northbound hikers are getting you know, to the end of their journey, and they're talking about, you know, the trail down south, and I'm like, well, I don't, I don't know what's down there. Yeah. Um, so I was thinking, that would be so cool to, to do a through-hike someday. 2,200 miles. Yeah. That's so far. <laughs> like, and I'm probably one of mm-hmm. the 1% of the 1% of the 1% of who have done 240 yeah too mm-hmm. like just consistently uh without stopping essentially mm-hmm. um so don't lie did scott jerks book north uh, impact your decision at all oh, i was gonna mention that if you did, didn't ask did it, so. did it impact your decision at all <laughs> yeah so okay. when i was on the plane um to boston last year i read the book pretty much in its entirety going to the boston marathon yeah. wow okay so was that when you made up your mind um it wasn't when I made up my mind for sure, but it was when I really started getting the idea to do the AT in my entire summer break and yeah. then some. So thanks to my principal for giving me a few extra days, but um, I, I think it's worthy <laughs> yeah. when you're going to do the whole AT. Talk about like an experience. Um, yeah, you're on the airplane. Yeah, so I to read and from. Boston Doing from a little bit before and after, but anyway. Reading North? Yeah. Nice. And so that book influenced you to some extent. Mm-hmm. Like, what what was it about that experience that Scott Jerk had that resonated with you? Uh, you know, just experience of doing the whole trail, you know, what his body went through, um, you know, all the... I guess anecdotes from from the trail and the different places along the trail and then when he got to the places like the White Mountains that I was more familiar with um, you know just really planted that seed that's like oh well I maybe not to the same extent but I want a similar experience and you know maybe think you know I could have you know my own sort of version of that by trying to do it yeah. in my whole summer break in 70 days yeah, seventy days. Mm-hmm. It, how long does it typically take someone to do the AT? About four to six months for most people. Yeah. Wow. Okay, so you're pushing the envelope, right? <laughs> Quite a bit. Yeah. Okay. I mean, mm-hmm. what's normal and what's not within our little world yeah. is a little different. So, <laughs> I mean, going to do fifty mm-hmm. milers for fun. Yeah. Probably doesn't uh, hit home with that many, yeah. but and a lot of those people who are doing it in four to six months are literally getting up off the couch and trying to hike the AT. 
Yeah. Which sounds miserable. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Couch to AT. Yeah. And <laughs> I haven't seen that one yet. It's a hell of a weight loss program. (laughs) True. So, doing it in 70 days, Mm -hmm. what does that break down per day? And walk us through how you plan to tackle that. I mean, that's ambitious. Yeah. So, it's 31.3 miles per day. Um, So, the plan is to (laughs) average that. Um, First few days, I was looking at my itinerary. I do have each day with um, a campsite planned out, and the mileages range, I think, from anywhere to 40 down to 9 is the lowest lowest day. So what do you do, like, with your experience mm-hmm. from the CT, Colorado mm-hmm. Trail, um, you show up, you got your mileage in, you did 40, mm-hmm. but you still want to keep going. Mm-hmm. Like, how do you early on stay disciplined? Because I know I'd be four days in the CT, and I, I'd feel good that day and just mm-hmm. keep going, and then maybe maybe almost blow up in a sense, like, just have trouble finishing. Mm-hmm. Well, I don't know. I don't usually have that problem because at the end of a 30-plus-mile day, you are you know, wanting to stop hiking, you want to eat, you want to put your feet up, you want to sleep. Um, if I do feel good on the CT last year, I did have some days where I only had like a mid 20 day planned, but I felt good. And there was still, you know, hours of daylight left. So it's like, Oh, I'm just going to keep hiking. I originally planned 23 days for the CT and no zeros. And I did it with in 22 with one zero. I also had a lot more time, to do that and that plan was not nearly as aggressive or ambitious as this plan is so what's what's the whole zero thing because we're yeah. a lot of the listeners mm-hmm. and viewers are going to be trail runners and we don't mm-hmm. know what the heck that is i mean <laughs> can i do a one mile stint is that count as a zero uh that would be a nero Okay. <laughs> What's two miles? That would also be a Nero. Um, so a zero. What's the cutoff? What can you do? Depends to on get the round. Per- depends on who the person is. Okay. Um, I've heard of twenty mile quote unquote Neros before. Some people on on YouTube say that, which is kind of funny. <laughs> <What>? But <laughs> but a Nero, the idea. Well, zero is a day that you don't hike, so it's a day you do zero miles. So that's why it's called the zero. A Nero is close, a near zero, right? So close to zero. So if you have camp maybe three miles from a road and then you're going to hitch into town, that would be a great example of a, a, a Nero day. Okay. And do you have any zero days planned for the AT? No, I, not okay. planned. But if I get ahead on miles, I might I might take one. So... And we'll see. The experience mm-hmm. of through hiking sounds totally different where yes. you do mm-hmm. 20, you're like, I can't wait to just put my feet up, mm-hmm. relax, hang out, meet some local people, mm-hmm. um, meet fellow through hikers. I mean, what's what's the difference between doing a trail race, even like a hundred miler mm-hmm. and through hiking? Um, well, through hiking, you just have a lot more time and you can take more breaks if you want to. And it's just a completely different 
mindset than you know being in a hundred mile race like you have to worry about your water you have to worry about rationing food you have to worry about making camp because you're completely self-supported you're completely on your own where it's a hundred mile right you got aid stations you got a bunch of other runners it's like yeah there's other through hikers but there's not as many as you're going to see even on the at which is more crowded than maybe some other trails, but still not going to see the same amount of people as you would during a typical 100-mile race. Do you think this year's, doing this, doing the um, Appalachian Trail this year, right mm-hmm. after North was released, mm-hmm. is going to be like a higher traffic year? Do you think mm-hmm. Do you no. think you'll see a lot yeah. of people out there? I mean, that was like a New York Times bestseller, whatever that means. Mm-hmm. I mean... It was it was a good book. I definitely enjoyed it. Um, yeah. Do you think it's going to have influenced a bunch of people and you're going to be... I don't think so because okay. that book is going to be more consumed by ultra runners who typically are not going to embark on a 70-day thru-hike. And 70 days is crazy. Yeah. Just to have mm-hmm. the ability to have 70 days to do something... Right. You're already in mm-hmm. rare form. like Yeah, and a lot of the other three actors, I do expect there to be other people out there, obviously, but not necessarily because of anything Scott did or wrote. Yeah, I, I didn't know. Mm-hmm. I was just interested. And also, so there's like a, a northbound is the direction that about 90% of the people go. Mm-hmm. And most of them start in... Well, late February and the early end and kind of mid to late April on the late end. Um, so in the beginning, I probably won't see too many other through okay. hikers. They just do the Georgia death race and keep going. <laughs> Pretty I much. Guess, yeah. <laughs> I guess really close mm-hmm. to the beginning. Of uh, yeah, the I was looking at the map. Actually. I think it crosses the AT. I don't know if it's I think we cross the AT a few okay. times. It, it goes up and over mm-hmm. stupid ridges. Okay. Um, <laughs> It's not the most technical or most difficult, but it's just mm-hmm. enough difficulty to really kick your yeah, butt. Yeah, these two videos don't look crazy technical, for, at least for the southern states. So, we'll see. And what part of the AT trail concerns you? Like, are you? do you have nightmares over this one section? Like, how am I going to do it in one day or um, I do have a couple 40s planned, which back-to-back 40s and just kind of being in, in in the grind of it all is maybe a little bit worrisome but at this point i'm confident um some states some parts of the trail that give me a little bit of pause you know everyone talks so everyone who knows the at or is hiking the at knows that pennsylvania is a mentally tough state and physically tough because the trail is insanely technical in a lot of spots. There's tons and tons of rocks, just like rock fields that you have to to hike over. Yeah, with your ankle, I'm sure. You're right. Like, oh, yeah. God. Yeah. So getting through that, and you know, there's not many other redeeming qualities about it. Like all the views are through power line cuts in Pennsylvania, so it's not not the nicest states in the world um <laughs> i can't even do one power line <laughs> well you're it's a lot of a lot of the trails on a ridge and the ridge is you know covered in trees and the only view you get is when you like hike through a power line cut so you're not like doing a power line climb but yeah yeah <laughs> interesting and so 
how do you feel like your training is for 2200 miles yeah you, so and, and you, you had big weeks mm-hmm. specifically for the at yeah so all these races that we've been talking about since the beginning of 2019 have been in preparation for the at the at is like the center of the bullseye goal for 2019 um and really the last about a month and a half, I did stack back to back to back hundred mile weeks, which hopefully give me give me a little bit of volume because it's never going to be about speed out there. It's going to be about can I grind? Can I be resistant to injury? Can I recover in time? Can I get enough calories in? Yeah. Um. So like we'll see. Trying to do everything I can with these races to give myself a lot of time on feet. But you don't really know for sure until you get out there, until you get a week into it. And then I can see how my body is responding and adjusting yeah. adjusting to it all. And let's finish with, do you have any additional goals for 19? Or is the AT like kind of the capstone on the year and, and then it's recover as best as possible for 2020? Um, now that you have your states qualifier <laughs> <laughs> right now um, the AT is it I don't have any other races on the calendar right now but that it's a funny feeling right yeah it is a funny feeling well I mean it is and it isn't because I have this AT goal and right now I'm six days away five days away from flying to Atlanta so it's like I still have this like big thing coming up really soon but I don't have any other races on the calendar yet, though that might change really quick. I think you have, Mo- you have Moab 240 on the schedule. <laughs> oh, well, yeah. No, I'm there's, just kidding. There's, well, there's crewing <laughs> Moab 240. Cru- um, crewing Moab 240 for me is like, uh, that's a full-time job pretty much. <laughs> He's crew captain again. Yeah, so, so that'll that'll be fun. That's amazing. Um, but I do have a few things in the work possibly for after, but I don't have any definite announcements. We won't even talk about twenty twenty yet. Yeah, we'll we'll just focus on the AT for now. Okay. But yeah, twenty twenty could be an interesting year. Could be here in Colorado. <laughs> um, so let's let's finish off the podcast. Sometimes I go over gear. Sometimes mm-hmm. I go over whatever. Let's talk nutrition just to finish it off like you know it's it'll be fun to check in with you and Mm -hmm. for the viewer and listener like we're gonna stay in touch with dave as he goes through the 70 days we'll check in once or twice maybe even three times and hear kind of a follow-up because tackling the at is insane Mm -hmm. like i if i have 70 days of freedom at some point (laughs) like it's definitely a lifetime goal of mine um, I'd also like to run across the United States. I'm sure mm-hmm. Dave will have 70 days at some point to do that. Um, <laughs> I don't know if that's on my radar, but <laughs> uh, raise raise awareness for something mm-hmm. or raise money for teachers. I'm mm-hmm. sure you could find some cause that would help that. Hmm. Let's talk nutrition. How the heck do you plan nutrition for 70 days? Yeah, so that's tricky. Um, I did bring my first four days of food, but probably take too long to go through that. Okay. Um, so what, what briefly is in your first four days? Yeah. So my first four days, and this is kind of the plan the whole way, 
is breakfast is going to be a hammer gel 50 milligram espresso so in lieu of a cup of coffee i'll be having that and then a bar of some kind okay as well um then hike get some miles in and then some oatmeal those instant oatmeal packs cold soaked just add water to them mix them up eat them um i'm gonna be adding olive oil to a lot of my meals to get in some extra calories. That's interesting. Um, yeah, that's a, I that's did. A really interesting. Yeah, I got a giant idea. thing of extra virgin olive oil at Walmart and distributed it up into eight ounce like little water bottles. I was going to say trying to carry that. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that wouldn't exactly. Be I would not be. A, I mean, it probably would be efficient in terms of calories mm-hmm. per pound. Yeah, but. Um, probably also looking at a jar of peanut butter, 16 ounces of peanut butter every two days. Okay. Maybe even more than that. We'll see. Um, lunch is a wrap with peanut butter and Nutella or some other type of whatever I have to put on the wrap. Yeah. Um, bars through the afternoon and then dinners. I did take the time to dehydrate, prepare my dinners for each day I'll be camping out on the trail before then. 70 meals? Um, well, it's like 50-something, wow. including town stops, where I'll be eating town food for dinner. So, is dehydration take mold out of the picture? I'm just thinking, like, it's, it's meal to. number <laughs> 52, and you open it up, yeah. and it's, like, growing stuff on it. Like, Yeah, I did this for the CT, and it worked out pretty well. I also have a video on my very small YouTube channel, if anyone wants to check that out. Cool. So, yeah, that's... um. Is it Dave Bronlick or David Bronlick? I can't even remember. So probably why it's so small. But <laughs> <laughs> double double your uh, yeah. viewership. Stick to one. Probably, name. yeah. <laughs> um, let's. Uh, so in terms of hydration, because mm-hmm. it could get hot. I mean, you're going into <laughs> June, July. Yep. And some of these mm-hmm. spots are probably not really shaded well. How are you staying hydrated? Well, I am expecting there to be plenty of shade. It's called the Green Tunnel for a reason. Oh, cool. Okay. Yeah. Um, hydrated, I do have, for anyone watching the video, two of these one liter smart water bottles. And I have the Sawyer Micro Squeeze. You can actually screw it right onto the top and drink it right out of there. And you also, I also have the Sawyer Squeeze bags. And you go to a water source, you fill up the bag. And you can just squeeze it into your bottle. What about salt and like electrolytes? Yeah, so I do you have salt? I did ration out um, a tab of fizz okay. for every day on the trail, and I'll probably maybe even ration that into quarters for every okay. day on the trail. So you so. you don't consume that much salt in your daily diet so you don't have to replenish um, it that often or I, I guess I do. I don't, okay. I don't really keep track of it. Because salt I pills do, are pretty light. I do generously add salt to most of my meals that I make. Um, but, you know, a lot of the more processed food I'm adding is going to be higher higher in salt. So, you know, if I feel like I need more salt, maybe I can add some somehow. Yeah. But, yeah, we'll see. I'm also doing um, insurance caps to a day and vegan 
tissue rejuvenator, okay. two of those a day. And that, yeah, not to make things yeah. complicated about <laughs> trying to get calories in on the the AT. Uh, let's do it, and we're not going to include any animal products or. <laughs> Yeah, this has to be pure vegan. Like, well, wow, that makes it complicated. And I, I might allow myself to go over lacto okay. in towns, but I would try to eat vegan as much as possible. If there's a vegan option for pizza, for example, I mean, Jurek managed, yeah. but he also has he like also a had a van. <laughs> yeah. He had a full support team, basically. Yeah. Or his wife's amazing. Mm-hmm. So, um, that's awesome. I mean, I I think uh, we could probably talk into the yeah. night about this stuff and i'm glad we had the opportunity to sit down try out youtube we'll see if this even gets live um but at worst it's going to make a podcast coming up here and we'll we'll check in i know a lot of listeners will take interest into your story yeah and just the sheer distance trying mm-hmm. to yeah Figure that in, figure that out in my head. I mean, I would go into it focused on being in Georgia and focused on mile one and just making sure. Yeah, I mean, one day at a time, yeah. you know, one section at a time. You know, I'm not going to be thinking about Katahdin, which is where the trail ends, this mountain in Maine, um, you know, on the first day. All right, I figured what better time to catch up with Dave than right at the end of this episode. Let's get the very first update from Dave. And he's quite a ways out there, but Dave, how are you doing on the uh, AT right now? How are you feeling? Um, Yeah, things are going well. My body is holding up. Um, So uh, at this point, I've done... 863.7 863.7 miles in 27 days. Jeez. So that puts me slightly ahead of the um, 31.3 that I need to average every day to complete the trail in 70 days. Um, so the biggest thing right now physically has been um, just dealing with foot pain. But usually, like, today was pretty pretty tough. It was hurting more than normal this morning um like under my left arc of my foot it was like every footfall for like the first like seven miles you could just like feel it just bruised and it didn't or... help that the, i don't i don't know i was kind of concerned but you know as the day wore on and i ate some food and stuff I like it started to feel better yeah. But like sitting down now i'm at the hostel here in waynesboro it's like i sit down and then i stand up and then it, like, will hurt, like, for the first, like, few footsteps. Yeah. So I'm hoping that, you know, kind of getting a later start tomorrow and sleeping in will help a lot with that. But, those little you know, once things, they get going, I mean, yeah, I mean, once they get, yeah, go ahead. I was just going to say, it can be, like, hydration-related. I mean, it can be. Yeah, that's what I was thinking, because I know you would say that a lot with your, with pains and, you know, things that might not be comfortable during ultras. Yeah. So it might just be a hydration issue. It could like, be yeah, a glute, it, it could be a glute dehydration issue that works its way all the way down, you know, like it's, yeah, everything's interconnected. So, um, walk us through what the beginning of the Appalachian trail was like. I mean, I got a small taste of it at the Georgia death race, but 
you've walked every step of Georgia, you know? Yep. Yeah, so the trail, for those who don't know, starts at uh, Springer Mountain in Georgia, and then it goes through Georgia for about 75 miles. I'm not totally sure, something like that, though. And uh, then you go into North Carolina, and I started on uh, May 24th, and I had beautiful weather for about the first eight days of sunshine. It was kind of hot. Um, the trail for the most part was pretty smooth. You have some, you have some big climbs, but it wasn't like crazy rocky or anything like that. Um, and then you get into uh, North Carolina and you're in there for a few hundred miles. And then you hit the great smoky mountain national park. And there's some elevation there. It gets over uh, 6,000 feet. And the trail there got kind of a little bit rockier. And uh, then rest of uh, North Carolina and Tennessee, like there's some big mountains, a lot of 5,000-foot peaks in the trail. You know, people call it the path of most resistance because you're just going up and over yeah. all the mountains that it can possibly find. So you're not always going in a straight you know, path north. A lot of times it kind of snakes around as a motorcycle going by right now. No problem. Okay. <laughs> I don't I'll, know how, I'll how edit. I'll edit that, that out. Yeah. Don't don't yeah. worry. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, I I'm honestly I'm surprised that East Coast goes up to six thousand feet in the south. Um, yeah, I know. Right? That's, it's kind of surprising. Yeah, I didn't really know that until I started researching more about the AT. But yeah, there, there's some elevation, and you know, a lot of the hikers are through there in like March and April, and they get like some serious weather. You know, I, I was pretty fortunate to have beautiful weather going going up and over a lot of those peaks. So, I mean, what's what's been the hardest state so far? Hardest section that you've covered? The hardest. Hardest section, well, the last, like, 77 miles I'd done, uh, so you cross the historic James River, you know, like the Jamestown colony and all that stuff yeah. that you learn about in school. So you cross that river, and then you go up um, over these mountains, and they're, like, you know, 4,000-foot mountains. And it was like the rockiest section that I can remember. So that that's been pretty tough. And I also didn't really expect it because people say the trail gets easier in Northern Virginia. But <laughs> these, these last 77 miles have, have been pretty tough. Have you, um, the rocks have, are, yeah. Have you had any animal encounters yet? Um, uh, I don't know about encounters, but I've seen, I see a snake probably pretty much every day of varying size and type. I've seen uh, three bears, um, a bunch of deer. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, I mean, it's nothing nothing too crazy. I'm, you're, not, you're not really too worried about uh, bears and stuff. The only thing you have to really worry about is um, an animal trying to steal your food, whether it be a mouse or a raccoon or a bear. So that's, that's the big thing with animals. 
So Ryan and I were just up at Bighorn 100, and we were talking about you. Um, we were yeah. talking. We were talking about your your sleep mat and how screwed, like screwed up that was. That you're out there like trying to do 70 days <laughs> of doing a 50k every day, and you can't even sleep on anything. Um, what's going on with your sleep mat? Yeah, so I've been posting on my Instagram, just kind of a little. Uh, I guess they're becoming more blog posts, so I'm spending a little bit more time with them every night. But anyway, my sleeping pad um, had a leak in it, and it, it's hard to like see the leak because all it is is like this little tiny puncture. And you know, I'd fill it up, and you could lay on it for um, I don't know, maybe a half hour which is long enough, especially when you're doing a 50k every day to fall asleep. (laughs) And then, (laughs) and then you wake up and like an hour later, and then you're just like, uh, I was on the rocks or bottom of the shelter or whatever. And then I just blow it up again. And I did that for a couple of nights. And then the next day I took some time. I blew it up in the middle of the day, like looked for the leak, found it, um, it came with this little repair kit and I tried to patch it up and I thought I did patch it up and it made it like a little bit better, but, uh, it lasted an hour. Yeah, it still, it, <laughs> it still uh, started to deflate significantly during the night. So I eventually like called up REI and, um, ordered a new one and had that sent up the trail. So, you know, I got to that post office. That was like a mile off the trail. I had to go out of my way to Did go they... down to this post office, get it, return the old sleeping bag. Hopefully, I'll get a refund or a sleeping pad. Hopefully, I'll get a refund. But, um, you know, the most important thing right now is getting to uh, getting to Katahdin, which is the uh, mountain main that it finishes on. So, you know, I got my new sleeping pad and... I've been getting really good sleep the last few days to pick that up. So, so oh, that's, that problem that's good to hear to be solved. Yeah. I mean, you don't want to have like back problems or something like it's hard enough just to do the effort, let alone deal yeah, with that kind of definitely. stuff. So yeah, a lot of times, um, yeah, oh, so a lot of the times when you pitch your tent, like the sleeping, like the tent pads where you can pitch your tent, it's not like perfectly flat or smooth a lot of times so it's rocky or it's kind of on a slant so it's really important to have have a sleeping pad in my opinion so all of us trail runners that are listening want to know mm-hmm. how are your shoes holding up what shoes are you wearing <laughs> um yeah do you, um, have you made it on one pair so far for what so was it i'm on my i'm on my second pair right now i started with the um uh, Lone Peak 3.5s, no, and well. those made it. Those made it the first 470 miles to Damascus, Virginia. Where did those and break down? Time. Like on on like the tongue, or like the the toe guard. Yeah, so yeah, that happens to like every pair of ultras. Like all like a lot of hikers out here are wearing them. And everyone complains about the toe guard falling off. Okay. And that ha- that typically happens after about 200 miles. But, you know, it'll peel off, but the shoe will still be, you know, usable. Like, it's not totally trashed yet. 
But so, yeah, it's annoying that that thing peels off. Did you just take it so off then, and keep going with that those lone peaks? No, or... you, no, you don't. I don't take it off. I just kind of like let it kind of hang loose. Yeah. And you can try. I I tried super gluing them, and you know that doesn't really last too long. Like I tried duct tape, but that just gets wet and <laughs> falls off. So yeah, you just kind of deal with it. And uh, I got the Lone P four point sent up to Damascus, and I have just about four hundred miles on those now. And that's it's only been oh man, like. Not even two weeks. I mean, and those are <laughs> yeah, four hundred miles those... on any pair of shoes is like a win in my book. But your expectations are high on shoes. Yeah, it's like I'd like to get more than two weeks out of a pair of shoes. But yeah. um, and I'm going to like I have to. I can't. I can't get like ten pairs of shoes. So, um. Yeah, the, the toe guard thing is peeling on them. That happened probably after, like, 200 miles. And I'm going to try to ride them out and get, like, 600 miles out of these shoes. And I've heard that the Timps have better durability. I don't know if that's just... They're heavier. I don't know if there's any truth to, or at least, to that. But at least the ones I have. Yeah. yeah. But I might try the, the Timps next. So, so, how has nutrition been throughout this process? Um, yeah, so normally, like, I eat a really clean and healthy diet, but that has completely changed. Are you having, flash- like, been- You're having flashbacks to pacing Moab 240, right? Like high, <laughs> it's like, highest it's calories like possible? Times, <laughs> it's like 100 times worse than that. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it's just, like, all junk food. Like, I just did my resupply at, uh, there's, like, a Walmart here. And I got those, like, Nature Valley bars that I'm getting pretty sick of already. Um, you know, Cliff bars, water bars, those are slightly better. Um, you know, I am using the hammer bars, like, but you can't really buy those. <laughs> so only when I get, like, a mail drop, like, I'll yeah. have my, um, like, hammer nutrition stuff, which which is great. Um, like I got a thing of, uh, tortillas, peanut butter, uh, Nutella, ramen, Fritos, um, <laughs> Oreos? Tons, tons of, <laughs> no Oreos, no Fritos, okay. no, no Oreos. Um, today actually there, I got trail magic on multiple occasions. And for those who don't know, trail magic, it can be a lot of things, but typically it's, someone either has like a table set up and they're handing out food or they just leave a cooler and maybe uh you know a basket or a bucket or something with some snacks in it and today there was a really nice one it was like two big coolers filled with gatorades and waters and like big um like those you know re- reusable grocery bags filled with like snickers and twix it's like just stuffing my pockets with those and marching forward. So <laughs> and then you, I get to, do you feel like you've yeah. lost weight at this point? Yeah. Like it's impossible to eat all the calories despite like when I get to town, 
and just absolutely gorge myself. Like I got into town um, this evening and, you know, walked over to the Chinese buffet that they have here, stuffed my face and then got my resupply at Walmart, bought another pint of ice cream, ate that. And <laughs> yeah, I can could, I could still eat more. So I have to still stop myself. I just I just so, ate like half a thing of ice cream and my wife yelled at me. <laughs> um, so what is the best encounter you've had with a person? You're not engaged now or like nothing crazy has happened. Um, like have you have you met many people and like how have those interactions been? Have they been real topical or have you spent time hiking with anyone or has it been all solo? Um, yeah, that's a really good question. So the AT is a very social trail, at least how most people experience it. Meaning that people, you know, people come out here by themselves and then they'll make friends and, you know, maybe hike with the same group of people the whole way or for a big chunk of the trail. Um, doing the miles I, I have been doing, I haven't really had that experience. So it's like I meet people once and then I don't typically see them again the next day so it's not like there's been one person that or a group of people that I've kind of clung on to like a lot of hikers might um but like when I started you know I definitely felt like I was hiking in the off season because there were like no other through hikers and then eventually I started to catch up to some some folks kind of in midway through North Carolina, Tennessee. And now I'm almost halfway. It's like, I've definitely caught up to people. Like I've met people, plenty of people who started in March. Wow. That's crazy, man. Have you met that, um, the, the girl that, uh, had reached out on training for ultra on Instagram. I think she said she was on the AT and was looking forward to listening to your episode. This episode she'll listen to. Um, have you come across her yet or no? Um, yeah, I think I know who you're talking about. Um, but I forget her name. No. I'm sorry. Okay. Not yet. Yeah. No, I mean, and it's possible like I could have passed her because like a lot of times you'll pass people and they'll either be, it'll either be like early in the morning and people are sleeping or yeah. later at night. Cause m- most people hike from like nine to like four. Cool. Or something like that. I'm hiking from sometimes from four to nine. So what? <laughs> what's the what's the lowest moment you've had? What's the highest moment you've had? Oh, so we'll do um, we'll do lowest first. So coming out of uh, we're going into Damascus and coming out. So Damascus is like mile four seventy. Um, you know, kind of a big milestone in the trail. And when I was going through there, we had like five days, pretty much of rain. And coming out of Damascus, you go up to 5,000 feet, the Grayson Highlands. And you're supposed to see all these ponies that they have there that kind of help control the, the flora. Mm-hmm. I think, I think that's why they're there. <laughs> and you know they they come up to the hikers they lick the hikers but 
I was just there in miserable, miserable weather, like cold rain. I didn't see a single pony. Um, <laughs> I was freeze. I was oh, freezing cold. Gosh. I was I was soaked in the bone. Um, you know, I was hiking through there. I get, I get to the shelter I wanted to stay at, and it's completely full. So, oh, like, sucks. I hike on, dumping down rain, and you know, I see a spot that's like not a puddle that I can pitch my tent. So it's like a set of my tent in the pouring rain. Um, like I have this light, super lightweight single wall tent and it's very difficult to set up in the pouring down rain and not get any water inside. So it's like, yeah, it gets damp inside. It's like, I'm trying to eat my food, like in my tent. I didn't even see any ponies. No, no, no point. <laughs> um, but yeah, and it's just, just dumping down rain all night. Like I get a, usually I'm getting up at like four and on the show at four thirty. It's like that day, I didn't really get out of my tent till like six. God, I can and just see you like rain. Lay, laying down, and then your bed deflates, and it's just like. Nothing's going well, right. Fortunately, that Nothing. was like that was like before that started happening. <laughs> but oh man, and like it it just dumped probably until like 10 a.m. the next morning, and then it finally started to taper off. But yeah, that that day or so was was pretty was pretty challenging. Um, I, I it's challenging for me with five hours of rain. Eh, yeah. <laughs> let alone five days. Like that's just a whole different time scale. That's longer yeah, than all say, of Moab. Yeah, when I say like five days of rain, like it's not raining. It's not just like dumping for five days straight, but it's like five days straight with like significant periods of rainfall. Yeah, just like the last gray. like I've gotten rained on pretty hard like each of the last three days. But it was like a passing thunderstorm and like yeah, I got dumped on for maybe 15 minutes and you get wet, but it's kind of nice because it's been hot out and that'll cool you off. But when you can't escape it, that's when it gets miserable. So what, and then to answer your... Yeah, I was going to say, what's the happiest you? moment so far? Yeah. You're almost halfway through this, which is crazy to me. 20, 28 <laughs> it's days going, in? going really all... fast. Man. Yeah, so one of the... Uh, the best moments. I mean, there's been a lot. There, like, I, I really am having having a great time out here. Um, you know, after after that period with all those days of rain, um, you know, I knew the forecast was going to be good, and I was up on this ridge, and the sun was shining in the morning, and it was beautiful, and it was nice and cool, and it's just like views to the left and to the right and it it was really cool and there's been there's been a lot of times like that where the sun is shining i'm walking along some ridge line and it's like i'm just so happy to be out here and doing what i'm doing and you know covering the miles i've been covering living the dream yeah yeah, live, live in the dream. And anytime exactly. you hit a low, just be like, remember, Rob's sitting at his yeah. desk right now at work or something, you know? Like, you're living <laughs> the dream, man. Um, 
Let me ask you like one or two more questions, and it, this has been awesome to catch up. Uh, I could probably talk yeah. to you for a few hours just about each day. Um, what what's been more painful so far? Doing almost half of the AT, the CT, which is the Colorado Trail, um, the Ooh. later miles of the Leadville 100 in sub 25. Uh, let's see here, a muddy quad rock. We got some black canyons, <laughs> and then that Boston in the rain and drizzle, the three-hour flat Boston that you ran. What on the pain scale? Where are you, like relative to us normal folks? Oh man, um, well those are all this. They're all just like so different. Like I'll be up today. Like I was hurting pretty bad. I was going pretty slow. I was doing like 28 minute miles today like that it was also like steep uphill and a ton of rocks but i felt like i was going so slow and my feet hurt so bad um so that that was pretty painful but it's easy to you know remember what what you were doing like 12 hours ago and be like yeah that was painful yeah but you know the later portions of a uh, hundred like that just sheer muscle fatigue um i mean Similar. that's painful too but it's like totally it's totally different because really at no point have i felt like i feel kind of at the end of a ultra when my legs are just gassed and you know your quads are destroyed so i guess i guess that's been good so you um, feel like you're at like mile 35 of black canyon right now <laughs> well, that I mean, might be a bad, bad maybe, example. Maybe mile, maybe mile like ten. <laughs> you know, my legs feel pretty good. You know, before the trail, and I think I said this when we talked before. You know, I said three things are going to be you're going to make a break this hike. It's like uh, food, fitness, and feet. And the food and the fitness, like that's been solid. Like it's there's tons of food out here to eat. Um, you know, fitness. Yeah, I know I have this. Like, I've gone this far, and uh, yeah, I guess part of fitness is not you know getting an overuse injury. Um, but that that's been solid. But feet has been, I get of those three, the toughest. I haven't had any blisters. Knock on wood, but just None? like pain. None at all. Uh, well, some some chafing if you count that. But that's not in my feet. Yeah. Yeah, but no blisters on my feet, so that's also been good. But my socks are getting some holes in them, so I got to swap those out. But um, just dealing with the foot pain—that's kind of the most worrisome thing for me right now. But so we need to get exoskin to overnight you some socks somewhere or something. Um. Yeah. Although you probably don't want to try anything new on the AT. Yeah, um, I've never used toe socks before, so <laughs> not know, a, not a good time at the halfway mark. But um, yeah, I really I really like the socks I've been using. It's I mean, you know, getting and I've been using two pairs of socks that I alternate every day, and wow, the other pair of socks I had them trying out by a campfire that someone made yesterday, and I left them there. So I'm down with one pair of socks. <laughs> with holes in it <laughs> do you do you have another so pair coming up here at the drop 
or the resupply? Uh, no, I have to order one and get it sent somewhere. So okay. I had to figure that out. Cool. Um, what what lessons have you learned so far? Are there one or two things that like, you know, are are just good lessons to learn that are just educational and then maybe more higher level? I mean, have you learned anything so far or has it just been grinding <laughs> it out and enjoying it? Um, that's a tough question. Uh, I mean, you know, the things I've learned, you know, I, you, you learn a lot about yourself. It's just so different than like my life right now is like wake up very early, hike all day, eat a ton of junk food, like <laughs> pitch your tent and go to sleep. And then do it all again the next day. Like the concept of having like a weekend or anything like that is like gone right now. So Does it like feel primal? Learn... Like yeah, very yeah. much so. Because like you have your one goal, and it's like all like the only thing that matters is hiking north, right? And you know you everything you're trying to do is to meet that goal and. It's been it's been motivating for me because sometimes you know you want to hit snooze right when you wake up in the morning, but like when my alarm goes off at four in the morning, it's like all right, it's time time to time to get up and and get it done because like if you if you wait on that alarm, like you know that's a half hour, that's you know a mile and a half behind you're gonna be all day. So, you know, just getting to it, getting after it. Um, so you're still yeah, as no. excited as day one. When your alarm goes off, you jump up <laughs> with the same enthusiasm as you did back in Georgia for, like, you know, day three? Like, are you still enthused um, or you do you feel, like, not burnt out, but, like, just a little slower moving? Yeah, definitely slower moving. Like, you know, the first day, like, yeah, I, I was excited to get up to the official start of the trail and start going. And some of the last few days, it, it, you know, it is it is harder. You do want to sleep longer, but, you know, you have, like, I have a specific goal for each day. And it's like, you got to get up and you got you to gotta make that goal because, you know, for 70 days, if you, you know, mess up one day, like that's going to throw off the rest of the time scale. Right. And you don't want to have that happen on day, you know, 27. And then the rest of your plan can be, you know, really, then you're, you're just going to be playing catch up the whole time. So, you know, I've gotten behind on my spreadsheet mainly because of all that rain that um, I had a few weeks ago. But it's like I'll make a plan and then, like, I'll stick to that plan. So, um, yeah, I guess I guess I can say I've learned, you know, how, how to adapt on the fly and kind of have that, um, you know, those process goals that, you're trying to achieve. I, I don't know. It's kind of hard to put into words. 
Where but, where can just remind us where can people follow you? Where what yeah, what social media outlets best to follow your Appalachian Trail through hike? Yeah, so on Instagram, um, so at uh, David Bromlick is my handle, and people were asking me um, if I was posting anything anywhere early on. I, I would tell them like what my real name. And no one remembers your real name, at least not on the trail. So I changed the name of my Instagram account to 70, which is the trail name going by, like the number all spelled out. Uh, 70. So 70 on the Nice. Yeah, that's cool. 70 on the AT, and that should and it should come up. I'm doing like kind of a – it's not super long, but it's more of like a daily blog post with some pictures. That's so, cool. That's so you- – you are finding yourself. I, I pushed that from day one that we needed to explore new names on Instagram for you. And uh, that that's a breakthrough, <laughs> man. That's a breakthrough. I like it. Um, well, let's well, say... Well, names are part of the culture out here. Everyone has a trail name. I feel, so like my, if you t- I feel like my trail name would have will be figured out when I go for it for some reason. But hard to escape training for ultra at this point. Um, yeah. <laughs> well, have a fun time out there. Anytime you hit a low, just remember there are millions of people out there that are dreaming of doing what you get to do every day. And we're all pulling for yeah. you, Dave. Um, you're a good guy. You've helped me so much throughout you know the past few years. And um, we're wishing you the best of luck. And we'll we'll catch up here in a few weeks and see how you're doing. So have fun out there. And yeah, just one thing I want to add, um, kind of about those lows. And it's like, yeah, you're totally right. You know, when when they do come, you know, I think about what I'm doing. And we have a term kind of in the hiking community, embrace the suck. So the suck's going to come, and it's just a matter of what you do with it. So embrace the suck. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. Embrace the pain. Embrace the suck. Yep. Uh, We're all fortunate. Everyone listening to this, if you're out there (laughs) running or hiking anywhere and it's painful, like we're actually fortunate to feel that. So, Dave, thanks for taking the time again, man. And uh, let's stay in touch. Feel free to check out my new audiobook, Training for Ultra, is now on Audible. Thank you to the podcast supporters Hammer Nutrition, Sufferfest Beer, Exoskin, Ultimate Direction destination trail and of course my patreon friends thanks for the support and don't forget to check out that race recap video of the bighorn 100 epic mud fest but check it out subscribe on youtube really appreciate you guys checking it out don't forget to enjoy your training